You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. Welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I am going to be your sequel host, Abraham. And I am going to be your uh, sequel host, Shane. I couldn't think of anything just now. Um, <laughs> twin, twin sequels. <laughs> I'll be your Empire Strikes Back host, Shane. Here we go. Okay, sweet. Good, good, good. Okay, we're a psychology podcast, and we're doing a follow-up to our last episode. So last week, we released an episode discussion talking about a lot about the coronavirus and understanding how the vaccine was developed and then leading into some reasons that people are hesitant to take the vaccine. We're going to complete that conversation today by talking more about some of the reasons that people might be hesitant about taking the vaccine. You know, last week was based in a lot of fact and data and stuff like that. And today we're going to talk about some of those reasons that maybe are a little bit more ethereal, esoteric, a little bit outside of the norm, and maybe some ways that human intelligence can spiral out of control in some ways. Hey, let's do a, a quick vocab. We haven't done that in a while. What does esoteric mean? Uh-huh. Esoteric or esoteric means intended for or likely to be understood by only a small number of people with a specialized knowledge or interest. Hmm. Awesome. Thank you. This totally fits with what we're about to cover. We're kind of an esoteric podcast then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a small number of people, but they're they're strong. <laughs> small right. but small strong. But powerful. Yeah. <laughs> the loud minority. At least I'm loud. <laughs> yeah. All right. Quick recap. Last time, as I mentioned, we talked about some of the just understanding Operation Warp Speed, how that sort of played out and the development of the vaccine. And then we also talked the first, we, we broke the reasons that people might be hesitant down into sort of three groups. There is general reasons, pretend reasons, and motivated reasons. And we covered the general reasons last week, which has a lot to do with sort of the history of medicine, a lack of understanding about science for various reasons, that sort of thing. And so I strongly recommend to get a, a firm background on this topic, go and listen to part one. Usually, as much as possible, we try and make our parts sort of stand independently. But I think that the, this one is predicated so much on mm-hmm. what we discussed in that earlier episode that it's going to be beneficial for you to listen to it. Nevertheless, of course, you can do whatever you want. If you'd like yeah. to proceed without that background, <laughs> I can't stop you. So have fun. Yeah, freedom is cool. That's right. I'm here to protect your freedoms. <laughs> the generous host that we are. That's right. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think this episode will be more valuable if you listen to the other one. I mean, I, that's really what it comes down to. I feel like that's true for any of the any of our multiple part series, but specifically for this one, because this is going to get into La La Land a little bit yes. and kind of like some some woo territory. We really want to make sure that you have that like basis for what we're covering before we get into all the stuff that's a little bit more that kind of has the flavor of birds aren't real. If you know what I mean. <laughs> and not that not that I really need to sell you listener on like listening. You probably already did hear it, but you know, we are coming up on the holiday season. Don't you want to be like well armed to go talk to your conspiracy uncle about and your conspiracy aunt uh with, <laughs> with some of this information? Yeah. Probably not, but maybe maybe you do. I don't know. Not that this will land for them, but at least you at least you'll be armed. Yeah. Some basic evidence is often enough to at least pause the conversation yeah and maybe that's all we can get sometimes is a few moments rest yeah exactly exactly so i think with that being said do you want to dive into this one i'm ready i've got my bathing shorts on i'm ready to dive in (laughs) bathing shorts is that what they call them where you're at 
I don't know. I just I made up a word. <laughs> no, I, I like. That. I really don't go swimming very often. I was gonna so. say I think that's that's indicative of a place that has um, not as many bodies of water as the place that I live. So what do you call it? Speedo. <laughs> call <it> speedo. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> baggies or board shorts or um yeah baggies or board shorts. Oh, okay. Or swim trunks. Baggies or board shorts. Okay. Yeah. So I, I the, the word trunks always threw me off, and so I kind of just stopped using it. There's like elephant trunks that we swim in. I guess. Yeah, I feel like that's um, one of those ones. that's like got a weird etiology, like or entomology, I should say. Right? Is it entomology? No, et- no etiology is right. Okay, entomology yeah. is the study of bugs. The, the bugs. I was like, yeah, we're not talking about bugs. <laughs> like pants. The whole reason it's called pants is because they came in pairs. Like the, the, yeah. the leggings came you in like, pairs. You used to connect them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So yeah, that's All fun. Right. So let's talk about pretend reasons. So yeah, man, we got way off the rails really yeah, quickly. Yeah, no, this is, we're going to have a fun day today, especially with the, with the, re- the episode we're going to record after this too. So yeah. we already have our real reasons that people might general, you know, reasons, general yeah. reasons, I should say. So let's talk about pretend reasons. And most people are not paranoid conspiracy theorists. And this is kind of a, a general rule as conspiracy theorists tend to be a small group of people that believe something that is very fringe and, and not usually accurate. And most people want to make the best decision for themselves and their family and tend to be extra cautious, especially when their loved one's lives are at stake. But there are an increasing number of conspiracy nonsense theories and practices and all that. And we're going to call these reasons pretend because these are not real. They're based on nonsense bullshit. Right. Previously, we discussed that there are like reasons that are mistrust of science due to cultural and other history. And all of that, I think, is a general sort of understandable reason. These are reasons that are just so out there because they're not based on anything. They're just they're just made up nonsense. So, OK, let's just go ahead and rattle through a few of the conspiracy theories. We're going to tackle a few of these in depth. We're just going to list a few to begin with. All right. So I'll start. One of the conspiracy theory is that the coronavirus COVID-19 was created and started to get Joe Biden elected. And to counteract that, one of the theories is also that it was started to get Trump reelected. Sure. There was a theory that it started in a lab. It was created in a lab and then spread around. And then there was also the theory that it was started to spread communism. So there's that one. One that's had a a lot of momentum is the the idea that COVID isn't real. Which that is just so, so frustrating. Yeah, that's, you know, birds aren't real. COVID isn't real. Birds birds aren't real. real. Same, same level of thought given. to Yeah, yeah. And then there's also the thought that COVID isn't harmful. I did hear a little bit. This one I haven't heard ubiquitously, but there is the theory that COVID is good for you. Oh, God. And then uh, it was also started to sell you the cure. Uh, the question being, what cure? Yeah, we we have like, yeah, we don't have a cure. You don't have to pay for a vaccine. Right. The treatments that are have been created are not available yet. And when they are available, they'll be free. So. Right. And also. Disintegration is an okay album at best, so I don't know why people still talk about that band like like they're the best kind of band. <laughs> Some of my favorite songs are from The Cure, actually. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Just Like Heaven. Yeah, they're fine. Friday I'm In Love. They're yeah. definitely better than The Smiths. <laughs> oh my god. We just lost all our Patreon supporters <laughs> and half our listeners. <laughs> no, please, Morrissey is in this conspiracy theory realm. Like, he is absolutely oh, that it. person, yeah. So Shane is a conspiracy theorist about this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Another conspiracy theory is that COVID was a form of population control. This kind of ties in with some of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. Another one was that it's no more dangerous than the flu. I've heard that multiple times. Yeah, that's a very basic misunderstanding of science and facts. Mm -hmm. And then there is also, this is not necessarily conspiracy theory, but just a poorly informed opinion, which is herd immunity should be achieved through natural infection. Mm. Let's actually talk about that just for a second. 
So this is the first time in like a hundred years we've had like a full on global pandemic, right? Yeah. We're right. We're right about that. That point. And during the 1918 flu, that's more or less what happened. We had the herd immunity approach. About 50 million people died. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's too many people. And this is at a point where our population was much, much, much less dense than it is now. Right. We had far fewer people to lose. They were not packed as closely together. I want to know, like, is that legitimately your strategy? Like, let's go with however, like whatever proportion 50 million people was in 1918, that proportion of people dying now to get to herd immunity. We're talking hundreds of millions of people dead at this point. Yeah. Even if you're well studied on that, and even if you understand that, that is just such a, uh, just an awful value to have yeah it's like that just like tells you that you just do not value human life in any sort of meaningful way like and i think that's where i struggle with that one too is like we should not be putting people at risk for herd immunity in that space like there there are better ways to go about this at this point there's also just i mean the rate at which the virus mutates you might develop antibodies that protect against one mutation but not the next it's a very slow inefficient and not necessarily effective way there there are now we have all the evidence of how many people have gotten covid multiple times because of mutations and whatnot and because uh, your antibodies wane over time mm-hmm. so absolutely all right well we can we can leave that one there i think uh let's go into the next sort of bigger conspiracy many people listening will have said you haven't even mentioned the microchips yet Ugh. matter of fact the way that i heard about this conspiracy was when i got my first vaccine and someone said, oh, you got your microchip. And I was so confused what they were talking about. <laughs> I had to like research it because like, what are you even saying? And they were joking, obviously. But let's talk just briefly about this conspiracy about the microchip. The Gates Foundation funded research years ago that examined whether invisible ink could be injected with a vaccine so the populations could maintain vaccine records without paperwork. And this was particularly relevant to refugees or kids or refugee kids. So this was particular for kind of like transmitting information more than anything else. Now, when I got my vaccine, I told everybody that my Wi-Fi was working. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. So that was great. I like it. Yeah. So that was that was the basic idea of just can we put something inside the body that would help us so that when when refugees come to a country, they might say you can't come into this country unless you're vaccinated. This way they could do like a quick check and see, do we find or are we able to see that you have records of your vaccination that's literally just inscribed in invisible ink Mm -hmm. in your body? And if so, then you don't need your paperwork. You're good to go. Kind of a a humanitarian effort thing of like, how can we make it easier for refugees to find safe havens? Yeah, which I think is noble and important given the state of the world and some of the countries that many refugees come from. Yeah. And honestly, I mean, I could think uh, personally, I would be open to doing that because then I wouldn't have to keep track of my paperwork. Right. These cards with these giant cards that don't fit into like anything that we carry. They're like too small for a backpack and too large for a wallet. And and anyway, so like those are the cards that we got. It's so convenient. Yeah. And so just having it be I'd much rather them have like access like tattoo like right on my arm or something that they can yeah. shine a glow light on. And it says vaccinated. And like, here's the date and all of that. I'd be happy to do that personally. Absolutely. So eventually the message got passed around kind of like telephone game or telestrations game. I don't know that game. It's the idea of like telephone. So what happens is that you get a card that says like a thing on it 
and then you do your best to draw that thing and then you hand your drawing to the the person next to you and then they write what they think that you drew on oh, it yeah, and yeah. then they pass the next person and they draw what you wrote and it just goes around and so you get these really funny drawings and, that and whatnot is a lot of fun actually like that game i yeah. played i have played i played a version of that with post-it notes oh, okay. and it's, it's a it's a blast oh nice okay yeah so what ends up happening with this micro this microchip theory is that this vaccination record thing comes up gets passed around until it eventually became something about bill gates and a microchip it became basically bill gates wants to microchip you yeah yeah something something bill gates microchip obviously one of the points that many people have raised is asking the question why yeah <laughs> what's the point of the of being microchipped and they say something like they're listening into you they're tracking you and many people have pointed out accurately okay you're your Alexa does this, your HomePod, your Google Home, your phone, your watch, your car. All of our technology is constantly listening to us and tracking our whereabouts. Yeah. Also, microphones that small really just don't work at this point. Right. They don't exist. They don't work. I don't know that they ever will because you're talking about something that's so small that it couldn't receive airwaves that were hitting it. Like, right. It would have to be poking out of your skin to be receiving sound and it would have to be large enough that it would actually be able to detect what was happening in the airwaves that were moving. That's a problem. Same thing with a camera. Also thinking about like what powers this thing? Does it come with its own power source? Like right. its own battery? And how long is that battery going to last? And also how does it transmit? So not only does it need to like run to track things, it then needs to produce energy to transmit a signal to something, I guess. I don't know what, right? but like, so <laughs> all of this is just, it's nonsense because like it can't possibly work. There's, there's no mechanism by which this makes any amount of sense. The main assumption I think with the microchip thing, and I think this is something that people, this is where people think they're the protagonist of their, of their life. Like yeah, nobody, nobody is interested in what you're doing. Like not right. truly like Bill Gates is not interested in what you are doing on a day to day basis. And, and the reason I say that is because I, I just think of this one stand up comedian. He talks about he's like, everybody thinks they're Denzel in the story. They think they're Denzel Washington. Yeah. You're not Denzel. You're the guy in the background. Right. And that's not to say that you're not special or important or anything like that. But it's just one of those things where it's like the assumption with the microchip is that you are the star. You are the number one name on the poster for your movie. And that's not it's just not the case. Nobody who has the power to make this thing happen. They can't make it happen. But even if they did, they're in the positions of authority. They don't care what you're doing. Right. And if they did, it would be so easy for them to find out without putting a microchip right. in your arm. So they literally like, just have to log on to your Facebook. Right. Exactly. There's actually a number of news stories about how criminals have been caught because the police just went on their like social media and like watched and looked for people bragging about the crimes they committed. And yeah. then they just went to their house because like all that's freely available. It's that easy. So this falls apart the second you even begin to kind of think about it. Absolute absurdity. Yeah. You just ask how and why, and it's done. Yeah. Okay. Great. Let's talk about infertility. Oof. Okay. So this is one that was fueled by a blog post, which I don't need to remind you all, dear listeners, that blog posts are typically not peer-reviewed research articles or anything like that. Basically, it said that Pfizer's vaccines can train a woman's body to not get pregnant. Experts have weighed in on this. This is 100% a myth. It's inaccurate. There's no evidence of it. That's the direct quote from people who work with fertility and pregnancy and that sort of thing. Yeah. And also, um, there were multiple women who are part of the vaccine trials 
and those women became pregnant. Mm -hmm. So this was before we even were 100% sure the vaccine was safe and effective. Yeah. They started the vaccine trial. They became pregnant while they were in the vaccine trial. Only one person who was in the vaccine trial lost their pregnancy. That person was in the control group who didn't have the actual vaccine. Right. So right now, the evidence seems to suggest that the vaccines make you more pregnant faster. <laughs> yeah. If you were if you were to go by these data, which are correlational at best, obviously. Right. And also recognizing and this is one of those things where you get one day we're going to get really deep into like how cults work and how you know, fear mongering works. Infertility is such a special and important and sensitive topic to discuss. And it is a legitimate fear and, and challenge for some folks. And so it's very easy to latch onto something with so much emotional anchoring and like, just like in scare people with this thing. So it's a shame that this blog post did this because there's no evidence for it. And it's very easy to fear monger with it. So this is utter and complete nonsense again, based on nothing. Don't buy it. It's crap. All right. Okay. There was another story about 23 people in Norway who died after they got the vaccine. There is some truth to this. Okay. So these folks were extremely old and already sick and in nursing homes. Usually when somebody is in a nursing home towards the end of their life, you know, at least in the United States, it, there could be any number of reasons people are, you know, people are people here. When somebody's in a nursing home, they're usually at end of life care or like towards that type of care. All right. So I think it was either in Norway or in this. I don't It couldn't have been in this nursing home, but I think it was in Norway. There was like 400 people dying a week. Mm -hmm. OK, so they were statistically likely to die anyway. These are people who were already very old. They were in a group of people who are very vulnerable. And I hate to break this to you all. No, I don't. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> Every one of us is going to die at some point. What? Yep. Life is fatal. We will eventually be gone. And when we're really, really close to the end, any number of things might happen. And none of those things will be the cause. Like I could eat a pop tart the morning that I die. And like, then you're like, oh, you know, this, this guy ate a pop tart and then died. I'm like, yes, that is a thing that happened unrelated completely. You know, it's, yeah, it wasn't pop tart caused death. It was like, I was going to die and I ate a pop tart first. Yeah. Like that was sort of how that happened. And this is what happened in these, with these people in Norway. It's unfortunate, but that's, you know, again, it's not, they're not related events. Can we talk about magnets for a second? Can we? Is it a combination of the protein, which now we're finding has a metal attached to it? I'm sure you've seen the pictures all over the internet of people who've had these shots and now they're magnetized. They can put a key on their forehead. It sticks. They can put spoons and forks all over them and they can stick because now we think that there's a metal piece to that. There's been people who've long suspected that there was some sort of an interface yet to be defined an interface between what's being injected in these shots and all of the 5G towers. So this is what I found out. So I have a key and a bobby pin here. Explain to me why the key sticks to me. It sticks to my neck, too. Any questions? It's nuts. It's one of my favorite things. Like, I think of it like if I were magnetized, wouldn't I be pulling things to me? Like, things wouldn't just stick to me. Right. Like, so many things would be pulled to me. Like, I wouldn't be able to go near my TV. It would mess with the screens. Right. You'd be messing with your screens. You'd be screwing up light bulbs. Like, you would also be probably, like, almost unavoidably attracted to, like, as you walk past, like, a lamppost or some kind of street sign. It kind of sucks your body to it. Like, yeah, you can't get out of your car because you're, you're like, fighting the forces of magnetism to pull yourself out of your car. You're going to screw up x-rays, all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> this is, I mean, just, and it, again, it doesn't make any sense. So their, their argument 
is because there is some amount of metal used in the preservatives, liquid metal uh, used in the preservatives for some vaccines. I guess that that somehow makes you magnetic. We eat metal as a regular part of our diet. We've uh-huh. got calcium, chromium, copper, iron, magnesium, manganese, potassium, sodium, zinc. These are all things that we regularly consume that are in our bodies, and some of them much, much more magnetic anyway than the kind of metals that are used to preserve vaccines. They mostly stopped using some of the ones that they used to use anyway. So yeah, lest we forget how unbelievably f***ing stupid this is. <laughs> yes. I think that's the important takeaway from that one. Yes. Speaking of other stupid things, some people <laughs> are making the argument that these vaccines contain aborted fetus cells. Let me say that again. I want to make sure that was very clear. Some people think that the vaccines contain aborted fetus cells. <sighs> okay. They don't. They never have. That would be beyond pointless in a vaccine. It doesn't make any sense. There are tens of billions of doses. How many aborted fetuses do you think there are? Yes. Like, do you think there's just like a gigafactory of churning out fetuses that can be used to make vaccines? So, Abraham, to your point, there are people who do believe that. Yes. Wow. How are we getting that many people pregnant and then and then getting their aborted fetuses? That's where you get things like Pizzagate. That's where you get things like adrenochrome. This is like Morton Joe from Mad Max, just like set up with a harem yeah. of women that he's getting pregnant. Yes. There are people who legitimately believe that. Also, people that believe that, you know, there are reptilian people that live on the planet, that there's a hollow earth, that either the hollow earth is that they're, that our earth is hollow with a sun inside of it, or that we are on an earth that is inside a larger earth with the sun inside of it. Like there are people that believe these things and really, truly believe these things. Okay. Well, you go find that factory and let me know how that goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about fluorescence. Mm-hmm. Yes. The idea here being that the vaccine makes you fluorescent, like biofluorescent, I guess. Bioluminescence is very cool. It is. If you ever get a chance and go kayaking in a place that does bioluminescence kayaking, it's beautiful and it's wonderful and all that. Vaccines don't do that. This is uh, just so absurd and so over the top. I I don't even know why people think this is the case. I mean, it is. uh, Okay. This is at least a little bit more plausible. So, for example, when people use, we did an episode a while back talking about community tomography and electronic tomography, these like the PET scans and CT scans that are used to look inside your body. For one of those, I want to say it was the the positron, the PET scan. They use tracers that can be detected with specialized equipment. These are little radioactive things that they put inside your body. They follow your blood because they basically circulate in there. I think uh, it depends on where they go. Regardless, what it is, is they go in your body and then they can see them with specialized equipment. So if you are radiated enough, you might glow, actually. You might glow a little bit. You'd die within hours, but you would glow a little bit right? if you had enough radiation pumped into your body yeah if you're glowing you should be concerned but nobody's yeah, oh, glowing yeah. from the vaccine you will 100 percent die very very rapidly if you're yeah, glowing yeah. And be- probably because painfully. of specifically because of the you know any amount of radiated material so right yes very painfully it'd be horrible the last little bit that we want to get into is friend of the show <laughs> <laughs> Alex Jones. I couldn't even say that. I couldn't even say that seriously. So Alex Jones, if you're not familiar with him, he is somebody who apparently has a lot of information and doesn't want to share it all. But specifically when it comes to the vaccine, he says this, I'm going to do my best Alex Jones here. The vaccine will cause neurological disorders in one year. Will, and most will be dead within 10 years. 
and it causes plaque on the brain that leads to Alzheimer's. I've got the studies. Woo! <laughs> all right, I'm play the clip. Basically, anyone taking these vaccines, they're all designed to do the same thing, um, is going to have neurological disorders within one year. Most of the people taking the vaccine will be dead within 10. Let me tell you something. You take the mRNA, it creates plaque in your brain. It gives you Alzheimer's, and I got the studies too. So, hey, you think they just put fluoride in the water to dumb you down? Woo! I know it's a family show, but seriously, f*** that guy. He's such a... Oh, he's, my God. He's the worst. Yeah, talk about a a vampire potbelly hobgoblin. <laughs> vampire potbelly hobgoblins. <laughs> yes, this uh, this walking piece of dumpster fire is uh, is completely wrong about everything. He's so wrong that basically anything he says, you can assume the opposite is probably true. Yeah, chemtrails do not make frogs gay, <laughs> which is something that he has said out loud. Yes. Uh -huh. So, okay. We'll leave it there. He's just completely wrong about everything, and he sucks. Yeah. Not to give any more megaphone to his piece of shit, but yeah, know, yeah, yeah, there yeah. It is. I think that covers that. So I think another thing that we have to kind of talk about is the idea of motivated reasoning. And I think this is the part that gets a little bit, I would say a little bit more grounded in some kind of reality or at least like personal motivations, but people tend to translate that. I, I It gets to be kind of, it gets to be this kind of whole thing where people just make a bunch of excuses. Yeah. 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 So where we have general reasons are, I think, legitimate fears based on things that have happened in the past. We've got pretend reasons, which are just conspiracies. They're utter nonsense. They're not even they're not even good enough to qualify to be described as an excuse. It's just magical nonsense thinking that people like to throw out there to be confusing and, and misleading and because of, of other reasons. Motivated reasons. These are excuses people give that aren't conspiracy theories. They aren't general concerns or actual reasons. They're kind of just excuses. Yeah. And these are people who have access to just enough information to know that the vaccines exist, but that's about all they really know. So they make up reasons that sound like plausible reasons. But if you scratch just a tiny, tiny little bit below the surface or even just look at its surface, it's clear that they are just kind of bogus lies. Like they're just kind of over the top or they are just like kind of a circular reasoning piece where they just try to get people into these debate traps that are just just they're just ridiculous. And you'll see kind of how these excuses fall apart when you start questioning them for real. Yeah. Okay. I do want to be a little bit kinder to this group of people because I think these are not dumb people. These are people who are scared. Right. And nevertheless, I do want to take the things that they say and tear them apart just a little bit. So let's start with the one that we've all heard at this point. It's become a kind of tired cliche. I'm doing my own research. Mm -hmm. Yes, we've heard that. I assume that it to be spelled D-O-O-N. Yes. For Dune. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The problem with this is that people will do research in areas that there's a bunch of misinformation in, right? So we know that YouTube doesn't immediately pull down information that is false. I mean, you can find a whole lot of stuff on YouTube. So the problem with this is that most people are not epidemiologists with their own private lab. They're not fluent with and have access to scientific papers that have been published on this. So And they don't know how to parse that information out. I've seen plenty of people that will cite studies and tell the exact opposite interpretation of what that study says. They're not cross-referencing their sources and then cross-referencing the citations from those sources. They're not checking for funding conflicts. They're not doing any of those things. They're simply not doing actual research. They're reading a blog post. They're reading a couple articles from biased mediums, and they're really missing kind of the actual data that goes into these studies. Right. Yeah. The, by doing their own research, you know, they're reading tweets from Nicki Minaj, mm -hmm. as you said, looking on, on a very 
untrustworthy sites and sources. These are not experts. These are not even anecdotes. These are people who are lying to either sell you something or because they can. They're like the Joker. They just like to see the world burn. Right. These are not places to get information. And that's where most people go when they say they're doing their own research. Well, and most people are not scientifically literate. And I think that's really important. This is not the fault of the people that are doing the research. Most of the time, they're not scientifically literate and don't know how to critically kind of critique those types of sources. They just don't know how to. So what ends up happening is they do their own research, but it's not really credible or valid research. And unfortunately, they're getting a lot of information from people who have a lot of influence and power. Yes. So when you say you're doing that, you're not. It's just a thing. Okay. Yeah. So another common one that I've heard is people who say, like, if I take the vaccine, I could die or my health won't let me take the vaccine. Okay. So this sounds legitimate. People who are scared, again, they're they're afraid of what is possible for them if they take the vaccine. The number of people who have died from the COVID vaccine, this is hot off the presses, right? Mm-hmm. It is now as high as the number of people who are actually friends with Donald Trump. Oh, so what's that number? Zero. Zero. <laughs> Flat zero. He has no friends. Nobody has died from the COVID vaccine. Now, there are some people for whom the vaccine is counter-recommended. Here's a list. So for those people who have severe allergic reactions to the components of the vaccine, like mRNA or Johnson & Johnson. Or people with a severe allergic anaphylaxis reaction to vaccines in general. And for that group, they make up 0.000000000000001% of the population. It's not actually that small, but it is about that small. Yeah. And also for children under five, it's not recommended. So yet. And I think what we have to say here is that the concern with I could die, my health won't let me. There are such things as vaccine injuries. So we're not dispelling that. However, when it comes to the COVID vaccine, which is what we're focusing on, there has not been evidence to suggest that that's been the case. So this is what we're pulling from. We're talking about the COVID vaccine specifically. And there are some other people that might have some medications where the doctors would be concerned about that. But I mean, again, like the the numbers, most people, this is just not the case. And I mean, most, most, almost everybody, a a very large, most majority. people. Are we good on that one? I think we've covered our bases. Yeah, I think that one covers that one. Yeah. Unless you have been explicitly told by the CDC personally, you probably don't fall into that category. Yeah. All right. We mentioned this one previously, but uh, the reason given by some people is I am not a guinea pig. I don't want to be a guinea pig for this vaccine for the government. Sure. Well, as George Takai said, you have already chosen. You you are you've chosen to be in the control group. That's right. So you are part of the experiment. Like you don't like when you make a choice like that, you have still chosen to be part of the experiment just in a different way. All right. Also, we're at about three billion people fully vaccinated in the world right now. In what way, in what world does that make you some experimental test case? Let me put it this way. There are about a billion people in the world who use an iPhone. So at this point, the vaccine is more well established than the iPhone in terms of like, yeah. people using it. If you own an iPhone, you are more of a guinea pig for that technology than you would be for getting the COVID-19 vaccine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's as simple as that. Okay. Also, as a just as another thing that kind of pulls apart this argument, you put endless amounts of toxic nonsense into your body joyfully and without questioning constantly. Get out of here with that noise. It's bogus. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> The people who are like, I don't trust the vaccine, and then they they inject horse paste in their rectum. Yeah. I mean, you're like going to the convenience store and opening a bag of like whatever snack food and just downing it without question about like the preservatives that they put in that. Yeah. The amount of stuff that you get from a cigarette when you smoke it 
or really even just generally smoking tobacco, but you know, from those packaged cigarettes and whatnot, it's, yeah. it's pretty incredible. The amount of things that people put into their body and all of a sudden they're concerned about this tiny, tiny amount of evidence-based solution that has been proved to be safe and effective over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Another motivated reason that we might find for avoiding the vaccine is a uh, uh, good old Dr. Tony Fauci. Oh, man. People love or hate Fauci. Story of this guy's life. He has had to constantly have security for the number of death threats that he's received at this point in his life because of how many people are, are going after him personally just because he is a medical science communicator. Yeah. I mean, and this guy has been around for a long time and won a lot of awards for the work he has done prior to all of this. So just to be clear, this guy has the credentials to be able to talk about this stuff. The guy, the guy knows what he's talking about. Exactly. Spent his whole life doing epidemiology research and has worked in positions of high you know, authority and whatnot with a lot of experience. So he's definitely well qualified. And across multiple administrations, I want that to be clear yes. too. Like oh, he's yeah, good not point. like yeah, because we're gonna get into like one of those other topics. He's worked across multiple administrations. Okay, so as far as I know, one time the ex salamander in chief said hydroxychloroquine might be an effective drug for COVID nineteen. Uh-huh. That was a thing that happened. Okay. Yeah. In response, Fauci said, "Quote maybe we're still trying to determine that." Mm-hmm. End quote. But because he didn't <laughs> bow down to the despot. <laughs> of the country at the time, he suddenly became every alt-rights supporter's mortal enemy. Mm -hmm. So now it's, if Fauci says that it's automatically deemed bad. And this is not because he didn't even disagree. He didn't say no. He didn't say you're wrong. All he said was, maybe we're still trying to figure it out. That's it. Which is a perfectly reasonable response to something like that. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, at that point, that was still a lot more credit than hydroxychloroquine deserved. Yeah, absolutely. So, and this is where it gets into probably one of the most important points of the COVID vaccine in particular is the idea that it's political politics in general has made this vaccine a, such a divisive topic. This is so bizarre to me. This is so bizarre. It, it's very weird. And I mean, so this was started under the Trump regime, mm-hmm. became a political issue. And now red states are in more crisis mode from COVID because of how many people who refuse to get vaccinated and they've had vaccine mandates in place. For example, I think it, I think it was Missouri. I could be wrong about this. It was either Missouri or Mississippi. It was one Southernish state that started with an mm-hmm. M I think. So yeah, yeah, probably yeah. one of those two. Anyway, um, they had some of the highest vaccine rates in the country. Their people had, they had all their MMR vaccines. They had their tetanus vaccines. I think they had HPV vaccines. Like they were getting all the vaccines. They had some of the highest rates in the country and they had mandates in place. You had to get vaccinated to go to, to college, for example. Mm-hmm. Many jobs required you to have vaccines for certain things. And nobody batted an eye. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they have some of the lowest vaccine rates in the country for COVID-19 and the most people dying from it. Yeah. that It's so bizarre that this, because it's not, at that point, it's not a vaccine thing. It is 100% a political thing. This is one that bleeds into conspiracy theory territory when people will say, oh, well, now there's a there's a pandemic of the unvaccinated and that is a left wing liberal agenda to cause more people to die so that they can continue to get more votes. They have started a a, a plague among those unvaccinated people because they know they're voting red. Like, I've heard that argument. How? (laughs) Right. This is why, like, when we talk about this, it's like it's so infuriating because it's it's so it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. And this is why I said, like, 
you don't even have to scratch the surface. You just look at the surface and you're like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> like, right. Th- th- there's no scrutiny needed to see the flaws in that argument. Right. There's no feasible way that could possibly happen. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Now, the important thing about this, too, is a lot of this started before there were even talks about mandating the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Nobody had even mentioned the word mandate yet. And all of a sudden, people were throwing a temper tantrum about this and they made it a right wing issue. Mm hmm. Vaccine rollouts used to be the people who show up to your local municipal building or school. They would go there and you'd show up and you'd get a shot. That's all it was. And that's how we eradicated polio. That's why polio is not a thing anymore. It's because there were these large rollouts. And it's worth kind of looking at like, you know, there is the conversation within politics about like, it's my body, my choice. And that's an argument that comes up, but they are only applying it to vaccine mandates they're not applying it to abortion rights they're not applying it to these other areas where the same argument could be made it is simply about this particular thing and it's just it's just a really bizarre very small-minded argument i've seen i'm seeing and you know obviously a lot of stuff going on in the country right now with with abortion and legal stuff in the supreme court and all of that so that that could even change although it does make me wonder if they were to overturn roe would that mean that there's then precedent for the government to start mandate vaccines for everybody? Right. It seems like it seems like you can make that argument. Yeah. I'm not clear on what is happening there, but they're trying times, my friend. They're trying times. Yeah, we're we're in a in a conundrum of a situation. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, the last one I have here, the motivated reasons is people who say, I don't like being told what to do. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't like being told uh, okay. I'm gonna ask you politely. Will you please save the lives of the people around you? And if not, go live in a hole somewhere. But also, that's such a flimsy argument. Like, do you wear your seatbelt? Do you drive on a road? Do you follow stop signs? Did you go to public right. school? Do you go to your job? What do you do at your job? Do you pay taxes? Yeah. Do you pay for the food that you eat when you go to like restaurants? Right. I mean, like you you get told what to do all the time. Like, this is not like a, a new thing. It's just this thing. Yeah, th- exactly. As you said, very flimsy argument. Again, falls apart immediately. I'm fine with people not wanting to get the vaccine as long as they're educated about it and they make a choice that is, but I would still say, please get good education on it and make a decision that makes the most sense for you and the people around you. Well, and also understanding that your choice to not get the vaccine is a choice for everyone around you to be affected by that choice. Yeah. Yeah. This would be like, I'm going to set off this atomic warhead on my property. I'm like, this is my property. I can do whatever I want with my property. I'm like, yeah, but the thing about atomic warheads is they reach really far and they affect a lot of people. Yeah. Vaccine is your atomic warhead. This is, you know, you are setting off a bomb that is going to affect everyone around you. Yeah. Unless you live like 100 miles from the nearest person and you never, ever, 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 ever see another human. Then in that case, I'm, I say, go for it. You can make whatever choice you want about it because you're not going to affect anybody. Right. And the rest of your life, you'll never see another human being. Cool. That's not true for almost anybody. Right. Like, you know, and they're not listening to this podcast anyway, if that's them. So <laughs> just understanding, like, this is a choice that affects more people than you. This would be, you know, I've made the, I think the comparison before of like, oh, I'm not going to, that, that stoplight's just the government trying to tell me what to do. I'm not going to listen to that. And then plowing through an intersection. Yeah. I'm like, the thing about this is the people that you hit when you plant through an intersection, like that affects more than just you. It's not your, yeah. just your life at risk when you are driving heedlessly through an intersection. It's not just your life at risk if you choose to set off a, a bomb that will level an entire neighborhood that is in your backyard. Like that affects everyone around you. And that is exactly this choice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it is a choice to take away other people's choice. That is a choice yep. that you make. Yep, absolutely. So, okay. Let's talk about some of the ironies of all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with mandates and Fox News. Okay. As we kind of mentioned when we were making fun of Tucker Carlson in the last episode, 
Fox News has much, much stricter vaccine mandates than the U.S. government does. Mm-hmm. You basically can't work there if you're, if you're not vaccinated. So the fact that they're going out screaming about people's right to get vaccinated when they themselves do not have that choice because of their employer and whatnot is, I don't, I don't even know under, how, to, how to wrap my head around that exactly. It's infuriating and confusing. It's fascinating. Fascinating. It's so bizarre to me. Yeah, it's very, very weird. I mean, and but you're seeing the same kind of argument or the same kind of situation when you look at mandates in red state governors. I mean, how many governors are we seeing in these red states that are not mandating these vaccines that are getting vaccinated themselves, that are, you know, talking about the dangers of the vaccine, but are also vaccinated themselves? I mean, I live in a state where that is the case. Right. But they're basically taking away people's right to choose, arguing that they're they're trying to prevent taking away people's right to choose. So they're saying to private organizations who they have fought for their right to make choices about how they deal with their employees, those private organizations say, we're going to mandate a vaccine for our organization. We're a private organization. We do not work with or for the government. And the government cannot tell us how to do our business unless our business is mandating vaccines. All of a sudden, the government can. So the rhetoric about like giving people the right to choose, it only goes as long as the choice is in line with what that governor wants. Yeah. Like, so it actually has nothing to do with freedom. It has everything to do with their tyrannical rule. Mm-hmm. Right. So it doesn't, again, they're saying one thing and doing something else. They're just using rhetoric to try and push their agenda. Right. It, yeah. It's absurd. It's just sad. I mean, and then, and then the last yeah. thing too is is with all the misinformation out there and people are taking random medications, they're actually ending up dying where they wouldn't likely die from a vaccine or anything else. They're they're actually like accidentally killing themselves by taking medications that are improper mixes, improper doses, and medications that are not designed to treat what they're trying to treat, and they end up in way more problematic situations as a result. Yeah, multiple people. There are documented cases of people who because of some offhanded remark by a politician about, oh, what if we do, what if we inject bleach? Mm-hmm. There are literally people, there's pictures of people guzzling f- from bleach cans and they've written in Sharpie COVID cure on the side of the bleach. Right. That will kill you, if not make you horribly sick. Yeah. And that was an offhanded remark by someone who didn't know what they were talking about. Right. So, like, that's where we're at. <laughs> I think that's kind of the sobering part of this, right? Like we can kind of be irreverent about a certain bit of stuff. We can kind of make jokes about conspiracy theories, but this is pretty serious stuff. I mean, these are people's, this is, this is health and safety on the line for billions of people. Yeah. And unfortunately, because the majority of the public are not scientifically literate, they don't understand how science plays out and they listen to people who don't have any influence or they shouldn't have any influence because they don't have any expertise. And so now you've got people doing things that are significantly harmful, more harmful than just getting the vaccine to begin with. Right. So I guess that leads us to the, with the question. Now we have all, we understand all these reasons and stuff like that, but why, what can we do about it? What I think is, is the actionable thing about this? Yeah, there is kind of something that we can do. There's research on how to influence people and sort of change their minds. And so I'm going to go through sort of a, a list of, of some of the steps that are often found to be effective when you're really trying to help teach someone. Now, I want to be mindful here that, first of all, don't try and use this to convince someone of utter nonsense crap that's not real. Right. But second of all, it mostly works when you're trying to convince someone of something that is legitimate and real. So hopefully it wouldn't even matter if you did try to do something nefarious with it. But all right. One of the things, 
and I don't know that we've accomplished this with this podcast, but I wanted <laughs> to and maybe got too snarky. Yeah. Is be nice, listen, understand their arguments, give them the space to doubt their closely held but incorrect beliefs. So allow them to sort of talk through their their process, their thoughts, and be there like as a support. You know, one of the things in preparation for this discussion that we're having today that I did was I asked a stranger. I put my, you know, I was really afraid. I was legitimately concerned I was going to get like punched in the face or even shot at. But I decided to ask a stranger, are you vaccinated? I was on an airplane. They're sitting next to me. I was like, I'm just going to see what happens. Not a you know, no way for me to go, but there I was. Yeah. I trapped myself. So I, I asked and, and he said, no, I said, I'm not vaccinated. And I said, okay, I'm like, I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm just legitimately curious. Like, what was your reason? And I found myself feeling a lot of compassion for this person. I didn't feel anger. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel hatred. I felt legitimate. Like, I really want to know who this person is. I'm really curious sort of what their story is on this. Yeah. And I have no agenda to try and convince them otherwise. I really just want to hear what they have to say. That was a cool experience for me. Like I I enjoyed feeling like I sort of connected with another person like that. But then I also what he said was interesting too, is because he said, I don't know. I just uh I just never did. Hmm. There you go. I don't know about it. Yeah. And I was like, okay. Like were there things that you maybe heard or were concerned about or anything? And he said, No, I don't think so. I just didn't. Maybe I'll go get it. Huh. That was how the conversation went. There you go. Now, I wasn't trying again. Like, I was not going into this thinking I'm going to convince this person. I was just kind of wondering, like, okay, I read all these things online. We hear them in the news. Sometimes certain stories and ideas get sensationalized and glamorized because they're more likely to draw an audience. And so maybe I shouldn't trust those as a good representation. Maybe I should just ask someone. And that was sort of my agenda. And I wanted to hear. And so that was that was kind of an an interesting conversation that I had. Yeah. Anyway, so first step here, be nice, listen, give them space to talk. I think that's excellent. I think another another step that you can take within this is restate the person's position, find points to acknowledge for accuracy. So like what are the points that are actually fairly accurate or that you can acknowledge are accurate? Mention something that you've learned about it and then you rebuttal. So you can actually validate the stuff that they're saying to some degree. You can acknowledge that you're listening to them within that space and then be able to kind of make some points based on what they're saying. You want to ask them questions, give them the space to look up new information, particularly from reputable sources. Mm-hmm. I think maybe help guide them toward reputable sources yeah. and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, again, you're creating an opportunity to learn. And then you can use anchoring to create a hypothetical scale for comparing evaluative statements. We did a whole episode on anchoring that was really, really wonderful. And so it's definitely worth going back to listening to that process and what that looks like. But anchoring is a really powerful tool that you can use. Now, a question that often is going to be very helpful for you as the person who is working with your audience here is finding out what would make you change your mind. Because for a lot of people, the answer is nothing. And if nothing would make you change your mind, I mean, that, that might not be accurate. You know, they could be saying yeah. that, not necessarily meaning it. But there are people for whom that's true. Nothing will make them change their mind. If those words ever come out, come out of your mouth, you are not a critical thinking person. That's like one of the easiest litmus tests you can possibly give. If there is literally nothing that can make you change your mind, you are not a critical thinker. You are a dogmatic believer. Yeah. And that's that's just where you're at. Maybe you'll change someday and maybe this conversation would help. But getting back on track here, let's assume that they do have a reason. What would make you change your mind? Then that's a place, uh, something you can work with. You know, maybe what they say is not necessarily very reasonable or it's, it's hard to address, but they might say something that's useful where you have a, a sort of a direction to go after that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. 
and one thing that you have to be mindful of is when you're ha having these conversations is that serious beliefs are often used as a form of someone's identity. People identify that you see this happen all the time with religious beliefs, right? Like you've got yeah. somebody who is so entrenched in religious beliefs and their upbringing and their learning histories that they have a very difficult time leaving that behind. If it means that maybe their beliefs were false, they were inaccurate. They were never true to begin with. I mean, those are very difficult kind of truths to face and people don't like to do that. Yeah. You, <laughs> It's like, if I don't believe that Coke is better than Pepsi, then I don't know who I am. Mm -hmm. And that's tough. It's a tough place to be. It's tough. I mean, you see people go through religious crises all the time, and that's part of it. So once you've gone through these steps, if the person you're talking to is not motivated to deliberately ignore evidence, then use evidence and sound arguments to help them, I guess, at least be amenable to the argument that you're making. Absolutely. And I think as you're kind of entering these spaces, it's really important to remember that change is slow. You're not going to change somebody's mind in a single conversation. It takes whittling away. It takes persistence. It takes patience. You're not going to change their minds in a single conversation. It may take multiple conversations and it can be incredibly frustrating. It's frustrating when you have information that you can show data for. You can say, look, there is a study on this. I mean, Abraham and I work in a space where we always hear about the, the issue of vaccines causing autism. And that is so frustrating to hear still years and years down the line because there's evidence to show otherwise and we can present that evidence and we can have these conversations and it is still a very difficult conversation so be prepared it's going to be slow and it's going to be frustrating to have these conversations sometimes sometimes even just planting the seed can be enough though like if you at least got them thinking about it that can mean you know a few weeks down the road they've completely shifted but as, as you said, it's not going to happen by the end of the conversation. And that's OK. I think just knowing that you have at least got them thinking about something in a better way is on the right track and can have sort of cascading effects. What's important with that is like this is not designed to be a win for you. You're not trying to right. win a debate. This is designed to give somebody information so they can make better decisions that are pro-social for the people that, you know, benefit the tribe, benefit the group. You know, it is a win for science, people thinking critically. It's a win for intellectualism, right? It's a win for those types of things. It's not a win for you. And I think that's like the like people go in like they want to win an argument. You're not trying to win an argument. You're trying to get people to think critically. That's all it is. Very good points. Yes, completely agree. Okay. I think when you're the person who is trying to do the convincing here, this is understandably frustrating. You just got to be able to let that go. You know, we're trying to help a sort of slow, you know, move the glacier in, in a new direction. So yeah, it's a process and patience is an important component of this. The last piece I have here, and we've sort of mentioned this already, is sometimes just presenting evidence can be really effective. One thing that we know for sure, from research, is that the more we hear something, the more likely we are to think it's true, even when we're told it's not true. That's a problem because this is one of the reasons that people are able to spread conspiracy theories. They have no qualms about, you know, they have no, it does not keep them up at night to go on lying and lying and lying and spreading misinformation. They don't care. Right. They just don't. They have no scruples. They have no ethical standards. They just, they don't care. For those of us for whom science is a value, we do care. And so it's hard for us to say something without being pretty confident in, in the data that we have. So we're a little less likely to just say something off the cuff. But people who scream it loud and say it a lot, that is a very effective way of uh, getting people to believe you. So once we do have the evidence, it's important that we also try and say it repeatedly in different venues, in different words, in different delivery systems. 
that we we are constantly getting out there because it is the 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 case that people will believe something the more they hear it and so we want to give them facts and reality. Yeah. We are competing with months of nonstop rhetoric and misinformation and that is a lot to compete with. Right. At this point, you know, we're going on years of misinformation. Yeah. We want now to try and flood the market of ideas with legitimate facts and evidence. Yeah, as much as we possibly can. It's a worthy cause, but it's exhausting. Yes. So, you know, there's, I mean, we'll eventually do probably some show on like uh, activism burnout and stuff like that too, because that's a real thing. But that's kind of the, the thought. It's like you're, you're, uh, it's an uphill battle in an anti science world. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Let's do some quick take on points. I like that. So, my first take on point is really the idea that. The most important part of this conversation is not necessarily to talk people into getting a vaccine. It's to understand the motivations and the reasons why somebody might. This is a large, complex conversation with a variety of reasons why somebody might avoid getting a vaccine. So your first step is actually understanding why somebody would avoid it to begin with. Do they have a learning history? Is there generational trauma? Is there some conspiracy theory? Are they worried that it came from the hollow moon and the reptilians? Are they... You know, what is that motivation? And that's where you have to start kind of understanding that conversation to even start beginning to present evidence to begin to have the conversations that are going to lead somebody towards a more science way of thinking. That was such a fantastic point. I'm glad that you said that. I think, you know, one of my main take on points really from this is that the people who are hesitant, except for those sort of mouthpieces who have chosen to be the face of misinformation, the, the people who are hesitant are not bad people. They're not stupid. They're not trying to, you know, go out and destroy the world. They're right. people who have concerns that are trying to make what they believe the, to be the best decision that they can make that are being bombarded with a bunch of nonsense and lies. Yeah. That's where most people are at. And that the conspiracy theories, they're dumb. You know, they, they're based on nothing. Motivated reasons, they're problematic. General reasons, they're understandable. All of these things, though, are things that are like, we're ready to move past this. We and have been for some time. You know, uh, we these are all things that we can overcome and move forward with getting people a life saving vaccine that is freely available. Right. I think the other discussion aside, you know, disseminating this to the rest of the world. But that's just, I think, a taken point that I have is, is understanding the people who are hesitant are not bad people. Absolutely. And I think that's I think that's really important, too, because I think that when you're having these conversations, it's worth when you enter those conversations, being compassionate and realizing people are just doing the best with what they have. That's all it is. Yeah, I guess one take on point I'd say is and maybe this isn't a point, but it's really unfortunate this became politicized. Yeah, it didn't have to. It really didn't. It hasn't in the past. This kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, not out of nowhere. I mean, I think we could see the the division and seeds of mistrust that have been sown for the last several years that have driven a wedge in this country and helped to drive people further, further apart. But it's unfortunate to me that that's the thing that happened. I, I think there is a potential for recovery here. I don't know exactly how or when, but it does seem like this is largely political. And that's exactly it. It didn't need to be. I think that's, and that's really the saddest thing about all of this is that people, people are dying. People are dying over something that did not need to be political. This wasn't a rights issue. This wasn't a this wasn't a, an oppression issue. This was simply one side didn't like the other. They took they took sides. They they stood by their teams and people are dying. Also, I mean, we're just 
we're so tired of being in this like <laughs> in lockdowns and restrictions and wearing masks in this this world of pandemic that we live in now it's just like yeah it's become the norm and i think more or less a lot of us have sort of gotten used to what life is like now and there, there is not going to be we're not returning to normal we're moving forward with a new normal and that's where we're at but the fact that we just you know, there's new variants and it just keeps going and just keeps going and just keeps going. And it's because it's because we can't get a comprehensive system of attacking this disease. Yep. Absolutely. That we're faced with this. Like we, we could have been done with this so long ago and we chose not to. Yeah. And we choosing to continue to drive forward still through this fog of war that is the plague yeah. of COVID-19 and we all just want it to be done. Yeah. And I'm pretty desperate myself to do what it takes to make it be done. Yeah. I imagine other people are as well, but yeah, it's just, please, please get vaccinated. Please help convince others of the safety and the efficacy of this vaccine so that the whole world can move on. I agree. I think that there's no better take on point than that. Okay. (laughs) All right. Let's change directions and talk about some recommendations. Recommendations. recommendations all right i'm gonna recommend this neat little piece of technology this is not for everybody because it's a little bit pricey for what it is but there's this neat wearable tech that's been making the rounds for a couple years now it's called aura ring o-u-r-a yeah ring have you heard about this yes i have it's awesome okay do you have one no but i've been wanting one it's on my list okay I actually just ordered my first one. My partner has had one for a couple, for maybe a year, a little over a year now. Very neat company, neat tech. And so essentially, this is just a very discreet little ring you wear on your finger. It looks just like a normal ring, but it has all these little sensors in it that tracks your heart rate and your breathing and your exercise. And its main function, as I understand it, is to track your sleep. Yeah. And so if you take a nap, if when you go to bed at night, it automatically, you don't have to turn on anything. You don't have to set any settings or anything. It'll just start tracking. Once it detects that you're asleep, it'll start tracking it. And then it gives you all this data that you can use. And again, it's discreet. It holds a charge for like a week or something. So you just charge it like on the weekend, maybe. And it doesn't take that long to charge. And then you wear it. It's apparently waterproof, apparently up to like 30 feet. So if you're a diver, even you could be wearing this. If you're That's out awesome. The ocean. Yeah. You could be a professional swimmer and be wearing this and it'll be tracking your exercise. It's a pretty neat little piece of tech. I'm very excited to get mine. I've been sort of enjoying looking over my partner's shoulder as, as their data has come in. Yeah. It's a neat little thing. It is expensive. We're talking, you know, around $300 per ring. If you can afford that. Awesome. If not totally understandable. But um, like I really like it, so I thought I'd share. I've heard a few people using that, and uh, it sounds like it's really neat. Like it sounds like it's really like interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm enjoying it. All right, so my recommendation is also science based. It is called Ghostbusters Afterlife. It is the new Ghostbusters movie that came out. Have you seen it yet? I've not. I've really, really, really want to. I thought it looked you- awesome. You really, 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 really want to. It's They do such a good job with this movie. Now, when the 2016 Ghostbusters movie came out, everybody was kind of like weird about it. I thought it was good. It was entertaining. I, I thought it was funny. Yeah, I enjoyed it. But it didn't feel like a, a successor to the Ghostbusters movies. Yeah. What is beautiful about this movie is it's written by Ivan Reitman's son, Jason Reitman. Nice. So the guy that wrote the originals 
the, his son wrote this one, which is fantastic because it, you know he grew up with the originals. He was on set, you know, kind of hanging out. And scripts are genetic, so. Yeah, exactly. Scripts are genetic, so that's the whole thing. <laughs> Talent's genetic, you know, that whole thing. So they do a really good job, though, of kind of tying it back to the old movies. It's supposed to be a direct sequel to Ghostbusters 2 and pretty much ignores the 2016 Ghostbusters. It brings back some people. It introduces some new characters. The science teacher is really wonderful. It's Paul Rudd. He plays Gary Gooberson. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And he says my favorite line that I've uh, that I've heard in a Ghostbusters movie, besides like, uh, you know, some of the lines from Bill Murray. Paul Rudd says science is awesome. Science is punk rock. Science is the safety pin in the nipple of academia. <laughs> <laughs> he like That's he, awesome. it's it's so good because he talks about like chemistry is safe physics is safe you know like he kind of does that or math is safe he's like math is safe algebra is safe science is chaotic it's so it's so great i'm not gonna spoil it for anybody because there are some really great moments in it that like made me tear up that like made me so happy like it just is so good and it's like two hours long oh, okay wow so it's it's lengthy and definitely worth it so if yeah. you get a chance to go see it please go see it all right very good all right. This has been a long one. Thank you so much for recording with me today, Shane. Thank you to everyone who is listening right now. And special thanks to the fact that we have a bunch of people who have earned the right for me to read their name out loud. <laughs> <laughs> so these are our Patreon supporters. Thank you, Amanda, Joshua, Justin, Justine, Kostya, Layla, Megan, Mike M, Mike T, and Shauna. You guys are amazing. If you'd like to join that list, head over to patreon.com where you can support us. You can find links to that on our website where you'll also find more about our other episodes. If you join, you can get bonus content, which includes some bonus episodes, recordings of us, notes or the PDFs of the show notes, a bunch of behind the scenes stuff, all kinds of cool little things. So yeah, excited to have all these people that are supporting us. Uh, also, special thanks to our team. These are people who, without whom this podcast definitely could not exist. So that's uh, Justin, who does our amazing audio engineering. Amber, Britt, Selena, Kyle, Allen, and of course, you, Shane. Thank you. Thank you. Happy to be here. All right. If you would like to tell us about your reason for being hesitant about vaccines or maybe a success story in converting someone, or if you love the Ghostbusters movie or have thoughts about that, or you wear an aura ring, you should definitely reach out to us. We're on all the social media platforms. I think we're most active probably on Instagram. We're trying to talk about putting together a TikTok thing, maybe. And of course, you can find us on Facebook or you can email us directly at info at www.wwdpodcast.com. We really like hearing from people, even if it's just to say, hey, I like your show or even, hey, yeah. I don't like your show. Yeah. The latter was not my favorite, but I could get I could think it behind it. We'll hear you. Yeah, we'll hear you. Exactly. Also, you can support us by leaving a rating. And if you'd also uh, like to, you can leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and that helps us out. So. I think that is all I have. Do you have anything else? Nope, I think that's all I got. All right, this is Abraham. And this is Shane. We're out. See ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at WWD Podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.wwdpodcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O., Shane, and Miranda. 
Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brasier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day.